Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the franchise business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today we spoke to Angela Fury Richards, founder and MD of Simply Helping, a well-established franchise in in-home services and disability care. Angela provides insights into what sparked Simply Helping 20 years ago and why she decided to franchise the business. She discusses the ideal personality traits for franchisees, as well as how demand within the sector is currently evolving. Welcome everyone. My name is Raghu. I'm here with Karen Erickson from the Eden Exchange team. Hi everyone. Today we're joined by Angela Fury Richards, who's the founder and MD of Simply Helping, a well-established franchise within the aged care, home services, disability care sector as well, which has been rapidly growing across Australia. Angela's joined us today to talk about the growth story of the franchise, where the business is placed in the sector and who would make for a good franchisee with Simply Helping. Thanks very much for joining us today, Angela. You're very welcome, Robert. Look, firstly, Angela, can you tell us a little bit about your background and why the business was formed and your vision behind Simply Helping? Certainly. Well, I commenced, um, would have to be 40-odd years ago now, in the healthcare sector uh, in various uh, administrative and management roles. And uh, I decided to uh, move back to the rural area where I was born and bred and to commence a business. And that was for obviously personal reasons that I did that. After much uh, research, I decided that the sector that I would be best perhaps better at and growing would be a sector that I, had, that I did have some understanding of and uh, found that particularly in the regional areas, um, most of these types of in-home care and support services were provided for not-for-profits, the shires and so forth. Um, I made the decision to uh, start my own business, did uh, some research for two or three months beforehand and realised that the in-home care and support service was an area that there weren't a lot of for-profit organisations providing these sorts of services. They were mostly not-for-profit. After deciding to commence a business in this area, I did my business plan and my marketing plan and uh, on June 1, 1998, commenced the business in the Wimmera, which is where I reside. Okay, great. So where do you see the business going now? And before we do that, why do you think that opportunity still exists now within the space you're operating in? Um, Essentially because we have a growing demographic. If we're looking at... um, breaking up the demographics into uh, age, we have uh, an increasingly number of ageing within our population. Uh, government has uh, a policy to try and ensure that these people remain at home for as long as possible, essentially because it's more economic to do so, but also for the social reasons for um, these individuals. Uh, in terms of disability, um, that's an area that... Through the NDIS scheme, which was introduced as a pilot uh, five years ago now, and that has opened up the opportunity for organisations, both for-profit and not-for-profit, to become involved in providing uh, services. Uh, In addition to that, the aged care reforms, which came into being back in uh, February of uh, 2017, that also has opened up huge opportunities now for uh, people to become registered with the Department of uh, Health and uh, be able to provide 
these services to these individuals with packages. So um, from that perspective, it's absolutely enormous. And as a result, uh, we are seeing many more companies uh, and organisations becoming involved because they see the sustainability of this type of um, service provision. But in addition, um, in our society, we have, uh, generally speaking, uh, mother and father working, um, which means that there's often less opportunity for services to be undertaken by essentially the females of that. And so lifestyle is becoming a big issue too. So there's still plenty of work out there for individuals wishing to buy in service provisions such as domestic assistance, babysitting, gardening services, etc. So as far as I'm concerned, um, it's, it's still very much, I think, a blue sky for franchises particularly. Would you be able to delve in a bit deeper on what kind of clients you offer your services to and how you differ from other in-home care services already existing in the in-home care sector? Um, As I said, the sort of clients that we provide services to are people like you and I uh, wanting assistance on a a regular basis or one-off, doesn't really matter. We're flexible enough to provide that. We're also looking at our ageing population that... um, have uh, under the new aged care reforms are now having aged care packages being released ever so slowly but they are being released uh, into the community Um, and the best thing about what's happening now with both the NDIS and the aged care sector is that for the first time ever the clients themselves can actually choose the service providers they want to have come in and and provide those supports. Previously this was very much uh, kept to uh, large uh, not-for-profit organisations and some for-profit organisations um, where they would then broker out to organisations like Simply Helping. But now the whole thing has changed completely and it's wonderful to now see what they call consumer-directed care, which means that the consumer, the client themselves or their family can actually choose who they want to either manage their plans or um, to actually, or, or and to provide services. So that has opened up the gambit, and it has taken away that what I call noose that used to be around uh, the the necks of a lot of service providers that weren't big enough to uh, take on being take on the actual home care packages which they would then allocate out. Sure, because there is a time poor society. There's an aging population. So a few people are sort of latching onto the idea that there's a large market demand uh, within the in-home care sector. So when a new franchisee comes on board, uh, what do you provide them to help them differentiate themselves from anyone else in the market? Well, it's not a matter of them differentiating themselves. It's a matter of simply helping, uh, continuing to uh, try and maintain that differentiation. One of the things that I'm absolutely passionate about is that we don't go down the track as so many other franchises are doing, which is singling out and concentrating on the aged care sector um, or the disability sector. Um, I've always been of the view, and this is something that um, my franchisees are constantly reminded of, is that we, we service all demographics. Sure. So we're not we're not um, streamlining it, and I think that gives us a lot more flexibility um, in the types of clients that we have. And as you'd be aware, um, if you take on clients in a particular, even if it's just providing um, a lifestyle 
sentencing. The fact is that we provide all these other services to all these other demographics so that if a client then decides that they wish to, or a mother or father, for example, is allocated a home care package and they know that Simply Helping provides that is also an approved provider, then what happens is they go from providing a service to a family, uh, to a, a son or a daughter, on to actually providing that service to a parent as well under the aged care reform, for example. So I think by having that flexibility of providing services, and this is why Simply Helping does have a range of services, it's not all just geared to the aged care sector or the disability sector. And that's really important because I think it opens up, it's, it's sort of a, like a, a way, it's, it's a way of marketing, but um, a covert way of marketing. And I, and I say that in a nice way, in that um, I've, I've never been fond of that one-stop-stop theory, but it's, it's essentially that, is that we can provide quite a range of services to any individual or family. All right. Um, Angela, you've had your business now for about 20 years, but, but it was only in 2008 that you decided to make it into a franchise. What was the decision behind that? Um, we were growing so quickly, particularly in the regional areas, and I was effectively running the show for all that time and uh, had quite a number of staff in the office to assist with that, obviously, as well as um, probably about 200 staff out in the field providing the services. And I decided that, um, to me, it was becoming more difficult, I felt, to uh, give that what I call personal touch mm. to the area. I could only cover so much and it was important for me to maintain that contact and communication, not only with staff, but with a lot of our clients as well. And it's just becoming impossible for me to do. So I then decided rather than go, through, go down the path as so many other organisations do, they set up offices and just take, put in managers. Now, that's all well and good, but um, I prefer to have someone who's really um, committed to building up a particular area or territory rather than just putting in a manager who may only be there for a year or two, then uproots and go, we lose that consistency. Whereas if you have a franchisee, they're given a, a territory, they are committed to growing that territory, it is their responsibility uh, to build those relationships with uh, clients, with staff, and, yeah, and th that was essentially it. It was really a better way, I felt, to still have that personal touch, that local feel, hmm. would be to put in people who are really committed to that area. And you mentioned that commitment required, but who makes for a good Simply Helping franchisee? Is it a, is it a set of skills someone has or is it a mindset or is it a trait you think they must have to make a good goal of it? I think it's, it's definitely a mindset. You've got to have somebody who is interested in assisting people. I mean, that, that's, I guess, the bottom line. You've got to have somebody who uh, has really, really good inter interpersonal skills and communication skills. They also have to be empathetic to uh, the people that they're dealing with. So our sort of business is very much a relationship business. So there's no point putting in a hard-nosed, wannabe tycoon who's in there purely just to make the money because they're going to lose what I believe is um, the culture of simply helping and the um, the ethos of, of uh, simply helping, which is really to assist people. But at the same time, we are a for-profit company. Obviously, we need to make money and we need to make good money. And that's something that our franchisees do. But it's getting back to uh, maintaining, developing and maintaining those relationships is incredibly important, I believe. And that is a real, that to me is, 
is very crucial. I think the other important points are they need to be well capitalised coming in. Our business, um, it takes time to get registered for um, NDIS and it takes time to get approved for home care to be able to provide home care packages. So uh, on that basis, the I guess the, the cash cow, if you like, is a little bit further on down the track than, for example, opening up a coffee shop and a, and a, and a, uh, a shopping centre. So they need to be well capitalised, I believe, to commence this and be not under any financial stress. There's also, obviously, with any business, they have to have desire to a, want business and to grow that business. But also, importantly, I have found through experience is that they need to be able to work constructively, I think, within the restraints and the opportunities of a franchise model. And uh, not everyone is suited to be a franchisee. And that's interesting when you said operating within that model. So assuming someone has got that right attitude and mindset, what type of training then would um, Simply Helping provide them? Right, okay. Well, uh, we, as with all franchise models, one is required to have an operations manual. So obviously that is our, I guess it's our Bible in a way. But in terms of actual training, there's two ways we go about it. One is that we tend to set up a situation and we tend to do the training usually because people, franchisees come in on one by one. They don't just come in a pack, in which case what we would tend to do there if we had two or more or three franchisees or more, we would actually have a situation where they come to a centre and we actually provide the training there through speakers going through the going through the operations manual, getting them sorted for uh, registrations for work cover and all these sorts of other sort of operational stuff that one has to do. So that can either happen at a, at a in a centre type arrangement or in their own office, which is often how we tend to do things. So we go down there, we, we go through everything with them, we make sure they signed up for um, all the insurances. We provide assistance in that process, obviously. We also provide assistance in registration for NDIS um, and we also provide assistance by putting them onto selected um, consultants to undertake the applications for the aged care packages. All the other types of services that we provide, post-acute care and all the rest of it, that's pretty much easily done these days. You don't have to do too much there other than ensure that uh, word is out. We also, as part of our package, we for the first three months, we inject out of the investment fee around about uh, 10% goes back in for the first three months to assist them with um, marketing in that region as well. So... Yeah, and that training will take place over a period of um, three months, really, because we have found from experience that if you go in and do, for example, five days straight, after about the second day, people start glazing over. So we tend to break it up and, and we find it's much more productive that way and people tend to remember then exactly what they had to do. And, and what would you say is the best part of your job and what drives you to do what you do? Oh, well, I love it. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I love my job. I love um, working with people. I love, I, I want to grow Simply Helping to be Australia-wide and to have substantial franchise presence in each state and territory. I then have a vision where I'd love very, very much to go over to New Zealand because I have a similar healthcare system to us and I don't think it'd be ter terribly hard to replicate the type of franchise that we have here over there. 
But more importantly, um, it's something that you can make a really good living out of and in the best way possible, I guess, in that you're actually providing essential services for people who really need or want them. And to me, that's a big bonus. Thanks for that. Sounds exceptionally good as an opportunity. And there'll be plenty of people listening to this who'll be interested in becoming a franchisee or finding out more. Do you have any advice for anyone considering you know, inquiring about a Simply Helping franchise? And is there any particular rule of thumb in your experience that needs to be applied to a business like Simply Helping? Well, in terms of uh, people interested or possibly wanting to find out more about Simply Helping, can I suggest the very first rule of thumb is do your research before you ring us. But seriously, um, what it's really, really important that people, before they ring us up, say, what do you do? Now, I have every temptation to hang up the phone when I have that comment made to me. So what I do, though, is very gently and quietly refer them to our websites. We have, we have two websites. One is our generic website, which talks about the types of services that we provide, and that effectively is, is the website that clients access. We also have the Simply Helping Franchising website, and that's the one that I would strongly recommend um, anyone interested in finding out a little bit more about this industry, or more particularly Simply Helping. Uh, to go to that website first, and then please feel free to ring us. I know I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think, look, a lot of our uh, listeners will be just discovering this opportunity now. So we do encourage anyone interested to to put their name down and inquire. There will also be a contact us box next to the podcast. So please submit your details, and one of the team will be in touch with you soon to get the journey going with Simply Helping. Look, mm-hmm. Apart from that, Angela, it's been fantastic speaking today. It's been quite insightful and we would love to get you back on soon for an update on how the business is travelling across its national expansion as well. Absolutely. And you can also mention, Raghu and Karen, is that no tie kickers, please. Okay. <laughs> fantastic. We can mention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no one just wanting it purely as an investment. They have to want to actually manage it themselves. All right? That's a good good closing remark. No tie kickers. But, no. but if you if you want to get into this industry, it's a serious industry. Please do some research, and yes. um, you'll find that companies like Simply Helping are best positioned to make a good go of it. So yes. again, we encourage you to get the ball rolling, do your research, and and make your own you know, ways being your own boss with the franchise here. Yep, that sounds reasonable. Thanks a lot, Angela, and hope to speak to you soon. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Raghu. Okay. Thanks. Bye bye. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In this episode, we spoke to Angela Ferry Richards, founder and MD for Simply Helping. For more information on this or any other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to businessbuyinvest.com. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram for recent updates on the buying and investing business world. You can subscribe to this series on iTunes or Stitches if you're using Android. Thanks for listening.